It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like person. me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. The bottom line, 90% of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to leave. And for those remaining Americans, there is no deadline. We remain committed to get them out if they want to come out. Yeah, you know, those people that stayed, they, we, we would have gotten everyone out. We got, you know, if they wanted to come out, they just had to get to the airport. Problem was, I'm getting more and more information that they could not even get through the lines. In fact, now we know, according to several sources this morning, that a majority of the interpreters and other U.S. visa applicants were left behind in Afghanistan. And we know that a number of Americans were too. And we don't even know what the number is. I know the, the administration keeps saying 100 or 200, but, you know, I'm sure it's much more than that. We had Mary, no, actually, uh, uh, Simone Ledeen, who is a former a defense uh, secretary talk about the numbers that were left behind. Nobody know, knows for sure, but it, 100 to 200 is very small. And I'm learning this morning that the State Department slow-walked so many visa applicants, uh, people that actually were uh, helping us in the efforts. Those people were left behind. The majority of them were left behind. So who got on those planes? Uh, well, we know there were like 20,000 Afghans who applied for special immigrant visa program and that was back when this first started. And uh, what did it say? The majority have not made it in. Okay, so who did make it in? That's what we're trying to figure out. Uh, actually, they are coming into this country. There's over 100,000 of them. Uh, they're being settled in various places. They're right now at air bases. And actually, I'll skip to that story right now because uh, it's uh, very important that you understand this. Uh, we talked a little bit. I told you that I knew that Wisconsin... Uh, and uh, I knew that Houston, I just heard those two in passing. But there are other, of course, places around the country. One of them is New Mexico. Congresswoman Yvette Harrell said that she had been blocked from visiting Fort Bliss. Uh, she has Fort Bliss and uh, Holman, Holloman Air Force Base in her district. She went to see. She's a congressman. She's a United States congressman. And they told her that she couldn't come in. And so we all already know that the congressman from Wisconsin, I played the clip of him yesterday talking about how Afghanis were being flown into this area of Wisconsin. It's a small town. I don't know where the town is, but I think it's in western Wisconsin. It's uh, a smaller, it's not like Milwaukee, is what I guess I'm trying to say, or Madison. And that they're allowed to go out. They can order Uber. They can take take rides. They don't have to be, uh, they don't have to have permission. I told you that uh, visa, visas were being handed out to them. Blank visas. Not applications, but blank visas. Um so Jen Psaki said Wednesday, well, that was yesterday, wasn't it? That was Wednesday. She said, I can absolutely assure you that no one is coming into the United States of America who has not been through a thorough screening and background check process. That's what Jen Psaki said she was 
you know, assuring us that everyone's been vetted, not to worry. Stephen Miller uh, was on last night with Tucker Carlson. He felt a little differently about it. Let's listen to clip six. What we are witnessing right now, Tucker, is the greatest bait and switch of all time. Joe Biden callously played on America's sympathies for a small core of Afghans who worked closely in difficult conditions with American troops, left all those people nearly in Afghanistan, and then in their stead brought over 100,000 randomly selected Afghan nationals, and he is not bringing them to the United States through any lawful process or through any lawful vetting channels. And my sources inside of government are very clear that most of these individuals, when you run a background check, it comes up blank. They're ghosts. Nobody knows who they are. Of course, if they'd worked for the U.S. government, when you take their fingerprints, it'd come up right away. But there's no matches because they didn't work for the government and nobody knows who they are. But it gets worse. I have also been informed very credibly that this is the beginning, not the end, of the refugee resettlement operation. As we speak, the Biden administration is making preparations through its foreign consulates and missions to accept in an open-ended, unending way Afghan nationals who leave the country and apply at any U.S. mission around the globe. Mostly that will be happening in Pakistan. Again, they will bypass lawful visa channels and, if necessary, abuse and, in fact, violate a law known as parole, which is meant for very exceptional case-by-case circumstances and bring these individuals into the country with no real vetting and no real knowledge of who they are. But more important than all of this, Tucker, is common sense. If you bring in several provinces worth of individuals from Afghanistan, you will replicate the conditions in Afghanistan here in the United States of America and all the horrors that entails. So Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley, the hero that he is, uh, not military leaders around the uh, former military leaders like General Jerry Boykin and others uh, have signed letters, are asking for the resignation of these, uh, you know, Lloyd Austin, General Milley, and some of the other commanders. Like, step, and if you have any honor, you would step aside. This is a debacle. Uh, and uh, so, but he's not stepping aside, of course, because, you know, there's that pension. And there's that, you know, he's, uh, Milley, of course, is concerned about critical race theory. So he has to stay on to make sure that soldiers are separated in terms of their race, that white soldiers apologize to black soldiers for their, you know, their uh, privilege, because that's work, that'll work so well, you know, that'll work so well. So he's there, and he announced this morning, uh, Wednesday morning, that 20,000 Afghan refugees have arrived at eight military bases in the United States, and um, because they can bring their family members, uh, probably as many as 100,000 Afghans in addition may be eligible for relocation. <laughs> yeah, so um, there's a long list of the, I'm not going to take the time to talk about what your bases, you can probably find that online, are receiving. There's like eight of them, and there's probably more locations than that. Uh, so that's what's happening, and, and you know what, in a, a week or so, probably about 10 days, two weeks, I'll be um, uh, talking about uh, immigration, maybe with Stephen Miller and certainly with Ken Cuccinelli and others uh, at a radio row in in, uh, D.C., and I'll tell you all about that when it happens, and then I can really fill you in on some of those details more effectively. But there's more to say about what's happening because we're learning more and more. In fact, um, former... Ah, I can't do this without uh, the script here. Let's see. Hang on a minute. Former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense Roger Roger Pardo Marer or Morer, 
uh, was on uh, with uh, Univision. And so he's speaking Spanish. And as he talks, I'm going to translate to you what he's actually saying. Okay? So, again, this is Roger Pardo Marer. He is the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense. And what he has to say is jaw-dropping. So I'm going to say his words as he speaks in Spanish. Let's listen. What is being said by people who were involved is that the Department of Defense already knew who the bomber was. And when the Kabul attack would happen, and that a predator drone had a lock on him. Okay. And that they refused to grant permission to fire upon that bomber. Permission was requested and was denied. Why? Because we are in the process of negotiating with the Taliban, who aren't even in control of their own government or their own people. What is he saying? He's saying at that bombing where 13 U.S. military personnel were killed, we knew who the bomber was. We had a predator drone locked on him, and uh, the whoever it was, the powers that be, refused to grant permission to fire upon that bomber. That is the former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense, Roger Pardo Marer, reporting that on Univision. So let that soak in and add that to the other treacherous things that the Biden administration has done. I want to add a couple more. I found out this morning that Biden officials have removed lists of U.S. military gear in Afghanistan from government websites. There's like 300 of them, and uh, they have been removed because they detail uh, the various uh, equipment that was left there, because that's not playing well in the headlines. You know, watching Afghans uh, hold parades, they are now. They're wearing American uniforms, they're riding in tanks and trucks, and having these wild celebrations as they shoot off American guns, uh, their victory lap. And so they're removing lists of that military gear, because that's just, you know, it's a little embarrassing. So they've scrubbed that. And also, I told you yesterday that Biden did exactly what President Trump was impeached for. I don't think President Trump should have been impeached, by the way, for this, but Biden, uh, this is different. What Biden did was much worse. He was talking with the president of Afghanistan, acknowledging that the Taliban is taking over the country. This was back in July. While he's telling the American people, oh, no, the the, um, Afghan forces are so powerful, there's no way the Taliban will take over the country. Remember that statement? He knew better. He was lying, lying, lying through his big smile uh, because he knew that the Taliban was taking over the country, and yet he asked the Afghan president, he said, "Ah, whether it's true or not, I need you to kind of change that perception. You know, know, I need need you to change that perception. Why would he ask him that? Well, of course, we've we've, uh, paid for the Afghan president, and he fled the country with lots of money uh, because we kept propping him up. He's very corrupt. Uh, but Joe Biden, they're a perfect match, I'm guessing. But he, I guess he didn't do what President, well, maybe he did do what uh, President Biden requested because I guess some people actually believed what President Biden said. And so uh, it's just a, that's a horrible thing so that he could remove the troops by the 31st and leave Americans behind and Afghan helpers. You think that was an accident? They consistently help the enemy. Why would that be an accident? Seems very perfectly in order with everything that we're seeing here. And so, um, but now there's another, uh, av- according to John Solomon's uh, Just the News, and by the way, that's a great resource now. You should write that down, Just the News. Uh, John is a great reporter, has been for a long time, but he has his own site now. 
So Reuters published that leaked trans- uh, transcript. I told you that first thing yesterday morning, and you probably heard it on the news after that. But um, the White House didn't dispute that, by the way, that he had that conversation uh, with the president of uh, Afghanistan and asked him to cut, you know, kind of... I know that may not be true, but could you just tell people that the, you know, that the forces, the uh, Afghan forces are strong and the Taliban's, you know, weak. Can you just tell them that? Wink, wink, nod, because I got to get everybody out and uh, I need to be able to say that I stopped. I was the president who ended that 20-year war. That's important for my resume. So that's what that happened. So, um, okay, so none of those pronouncements were true. And this was the other thing that John is reporting in his Just the News the president, uh, as in Biden, granted himself a waiver to avoid providing Congress this summer a legally required report on the dangers of withdrawing from Afghanistan. So he gave himself a waiver so he wouldn't have to do that. And so lawmakers mostly were in the dark about the situation in which U.S. confidence in the Afghan government and military rapidly deteriorated. And, of course, it was not true. It was false. And so the, uh, the the headline of this article is actually quite well written. Says it all. Evidence mounts that the Biden that Biden manufactured weeks long false narrative on Afghanistan so that he could what take that victory lap. All right, lap. So uh, quickly, I want to tell you that the congressman from Oklahoma, uh, Mark Wayne Mullen, uh, is is not lost. He said he went off the grid uh, because he was he was over there trying to get uh, some particular family out of Afghanistan. And he was furious because the State Department and the embassy just would not let him. Uh, and so he went off the grid because, and he was reported that he was missing, but he wasn't. So let me read what he said. I have been helping out get Americans out of Afghanistan. Yes. Is the mission continuing? Yes. I'm, I'm, am I missing? No. Did I go dark? Yes, because it wasn't safe to be communicating. Am I extremely disappointed in how the United States left Americans behind? That would be an understatement. President Biden and his administration is absolutely lying to the American people about Americans and our friends being left behind. So many great Americans, many who are veterans and many not, are stepping up to keep our promise. We will never leave an American behind. And it's uh, hashtag Mullen family. Uh, He's a former special special, uh, services officer. Now he's a congressman. Uh, So thank God he's safe. And now he's back to uh, let his anger play out in other ways to sort of maybe help this country and save more people. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Did you know that over 62 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade? Every single one of these babies' lives was dear and precious. Why isn't the world declaring these babies as lost? Here's Dan Steiner, the president of Preborn, a ministry dedicated to saving babies' lives from abortion through ultrasound. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing women considering abortion to their precious preborn baby. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for George Price, Director of the Office of Small and Disadvantaged Business Utilization at the Department of State. His office works to maximize prime and subcontracting opportunities for U.S. businesses. Philippians 2.4 reminds us of the importance of helping others rise up. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for George Price as he helps small businesses. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starr, and stand by for news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. Pastor Rick Warren is causing a bit of controversy. He says the most practical way to love your neighbor is to wear a face mask. He also dismissed concerns the government is trying to suppress the church by not allowing people to gather for worship. Warren made the remarks during an appearance in March on Church Pulse, a podcast. You can watch the video on my website. He says people are trying to politicize the pandemic, says it's a safety issue, not a First Amendment issue. He went on to say if only churches were being shut down, he would say something. But he says everything is being closed. Pastor Warren says if you don't wear a face mask, you're telling your neighbors you don't care about them. You don't care about their fears. Or maybe it's sending another message. They care more about personal freedom and liberty than they do about the judgmental opinions of woke members of the clergy. Just saying. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Authorities in Japan have reported another suspected case of contamination in Moderna's coronavirus vaccines, the fourth such incident in less than a week. The health ministry said on Wednesday that contaminants in at least one of the incidents were found to be particles of stainless steel. It added that it did not expect the incident would pose an additional health risk. The findings were the result of an investigation by domestic distributor Takeda Pharmaceutical. Takeda said the most probable cause of the contamination was related to friction between two pieces of metal in the machinery that put stoppers on the vials. The company was citing a joint investigation with Moderna and Rovi, which bottles Moderna vaccines. The country suspended the use of over one. They suspended it because they were finding, uh, you know, what what did they she say? Stainless steel. I'm sorry. Was uh, I was trying to read some other things. Uh, I watched watched it this morning, but things that you don't want to have in a shot going in your arm, and so that's Moderna vaccination a vaccination shot for COVID, uh, suspended in Japan for right now. You know, the whole world is reeling from the effects of this. In one way or another, you know, whether it's the, the deaths that we saw early on, the terrible things in, in Italy, uh, also in China, 
and then as it spread through the world and was brought here, there's been a lot of suffering, a lot of economic devastation, just so many problems. And um, I, uh, this is a story that I want to—I I don't know the background on this story. Uh, someone just sent me the video. This is a little boy uh, in Ireland. And um, let me just say before I play it, this is for you, Phil. Phil is a listener that we have from Northern Ireland. He just wrote me last week, uh, and I'll just read briefly what he says here. God bless you and Bruce. Um, and he just says some lovely things, wishing blessings for our family, for Bruce's health. And by the way, uh, last week I, some of you wondered where I went. I was gone again, uh, and I didn't tell you because, you know, there's just so much to say about uh, uh, sickness, and you get tired of hearing it, but... My husband had another surgery last week, so that was the reason I was off uh, off a few days. So I know I'm not going anywhere. I'm not. And until God just moves me out of the chair, I'll be here. So don't worry about that. I'm going to try to stay with you as long as I can, okay? Because we're going to have some rough times, and I think I really do believe this is what God's called me to do. And so that's why I'm here. So back to Phil. He says, you may remember we hail from Northern Ireland. Of course I do, Phil. And um, evermore, when I listen to the show, I see a horrible ramping up of polarization and tension in the U.S. It is increasingly reminding me of our past sectarianism and troubles, our war, whatever you want to call it. And, of course, he's talking about that long, long, long conflict between Northern and Northern Ireland and Ireland. And it was about, you know, Catholics versus Protestants, and it was so many people were killed. It was just a nightmare, and uh, that's what he's speaking of. He says, I'm amazed by the tenderbox nature of it all in such a short time and how you are more like correspondence behind enemy lines. It's uh, well said. It's true, Phil. It really is. We are, we are really kind of like captives. You know, captives not yet. We're still free. <laughs> we know. We see, you know, the lack of freedom approaching. We feel the burn of it. It's getting closer. Uh, and then he says, I pray this turns back, and I pray that the peace of God, I pray the peace of God to all your listeners and the AFR staff. You are a beacon in this time. Phil, that's such a lovely thing to say, and uh, I hear your heart, and so thank you for that. And I want to use your email to point out that the whole world is watching. And even if uh, there have been a lot of criticism, has been a lot of criticism of the United States for years, and a lot of it, you know, rightfully so, uh, some of it, you know, I'm sure some of it from envy because we have been so blessed. We have been so blessed by God. Uh, and people, you know, that's people are petty, but but some of it was rightful. Nevertheless, America remained the beacon of hope. America was like the promise. It was the future. It was a promise of freedom. It was a promise of if you if you work hard, uh, you can you can get ahead by the, the by the work of your hands and fingers. Uh, it, it's just been and everyone from every country has family here. And they hear what life is like here, and so that's why the whole world wants to come here. So now that America is really getting a gut punch, and we're not sure how this is going to turn out, it doesn't look good. Uh, they recognize that the whole world is shifting. There's a, what, what they call a Teutonic shift of the plates beneath, beneath us, and they feel it because if America is not there to, you know, to stand strong in the world and to push back the world's bullies, who's going to do that? And uh, one could argue that there's no one left that can do that. So uh, I know that uh, Phil is exp- not expressing that, but that's what the world is feeling. I know that. So so in regard to Ireland, there was an interesting story, and this is a little boy in a grammar school. He's got his uniform on. Uh, he has his little tie and his white shirt. He's probably, I'm guessing, about eight or nine. Um, and so uh, he tries to get into school, 
and they won't let him. That's the that's what's happening. They they turn him back, and he's so upset. And this is what it sounded like. Let's listen. What happened, my love? What happened? The principal didn't let me in. Why? Because because I couldn't wear a mask. I gave it an extension before him and all, and he still didn't let me in the school. He said it wasn't good enough, and Why? it's from a doctor. Why? Why it was it good enough? It wasn't good enough wasn't. because supposedly it didn't say all the details, but on it says I can't wear. Why didn't he talk to the doctor then? He he says he will uh, he will call, and we said here can we stay, and then can I go to school? He says no. He says no. No until, until when? Until what? Until I until checked. he calls from the doctor, and I then I then we said that we could we could stay here until he calls the doctor. That's confirmed. And he says no. This process will take days. <laughs> this is disgusting. All right. Well, that's he it, it goes on. <laughs> he won't let me in school. He's so upset. And of course, you might say to yourself, "Well, that's not the end of the world." But you know, this is what's happening to children. It's our, our young children, our college-age children. If they don't, you know, comply, there's punishment. And these kinds of things are devastating to kids. You remember when you were a kid and something happened? I remember uh, very vividly some of those occasions, as you can imagine. I, I, yes, I won't go into all of that. I remember when I was nine, a teacher threatened to have me arrested because, yeah, it's a long story, but in front of the whole class, she reamed me, and I, it was shattering. And so I'm just telling you, uh, the emotional effect of what's happening, the shunning, the punishment, uh, the the hatred, the kids are feeling it too, and they're feeling it around the world. And that reminds me of another story here. Virginia Tech has just disenrolled 134 unvaccinated students. So uh, this is happening around the country, and uh, what are your kids going to do? And I, that puts you in a dilemma. So are you going to listen? Children, especially young men, are in danger from this vaccine. I. I had this story. I don't know where it went. Uh, I had it a few days ago. It's a 13-year-old boy who died in his sleep, what, the second day after he had the vaccine? He was a healthy child. Uh, and they said, of course, the officials said, well, we can't, you know, link it to the vaccine. But he, they did, they found all kinds of fluid around his heart. And myocarditis is the thing that strikes young men. Uh, and I'm not, not all young men, No. Uh, but enough significant numbers that I, I don't want my young men getting this vaccine. I, I am not willing to take that chance, and they're forcing it now on our military guys and on these young boys. Are you kidding me? So I, it's just um, it's insanity. All right, so back to uh, COVID. So I'm going to bring you a few updates because it's important. Uh, <laughs> all right, so Rochelle Walensky, it, it would be funny if it wasn't so evil. Uh, So CDC director uh, Rochelle Walensky tells unvaccinated people, don't travel over Labor Day weekend. She says, given where we are with disease transmission right now, we would say that people need to take these risks into their own consideration as they think about traveling. If you are unvaccinated, we would recommend not traveling. Because you, you nasty people, are spreading this uh, virus all over the place. And um, it's your fault because this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Remember they keep telling us that? Well, except that that's a lie. And uh, let me give you some stats if I can. Um, this is from Daniel Horowitz. This, you, know, I, you know he's a good friend and I refer to his stuff a lot. Uh, but this is just uh, one brief story. CDC now admits that 23% of hospitalizations in June were vaccinated. 
I actually think it's higher than that, and I'm going to find this other article. Uh, hang on. Here is, this is another article that's in the Epoch Times. And um, let me, so, the mainstream media is reporting that severe COVID cases are mainly among unvaccinated people. An Associated Press headline from June 29th reads, Nearly all COVID deaths in the U.S. are now among unvaccinated. A vast majority of, uh, another one, uh, a vast majority of ICU patients with COVID-19 are unvaccinated. Uh, ABC News survey finds, well, what's going on here? Well, I can tell you what's going on. This is not true. And I'm going to give you some, uh, just some information that will help you. This is kind of what I told you last week that I got into it with a lady in the nail salon who loudly announced uh, several stations apart from me that uh, the problem we were having is unvaccinated people, and I could not be silent. And one of the things I tried to tell her was that in Israel, where almost 100%, maybe even 100, have been vaccinated, uh, most of the people that are in the hospital with COVID have been vaccinated. That's just the... And so let me read this from uh, the Epoch Times. In Israel, the first country to fully vaccinate a majority of its citizens against the virus, it has now one of the highest daily infection rates and the majority of people catching the virus, 77% to 83%, depending on age, are already vaccinated. And that's according to data collected by the Israeli government. So um, various news reports in Cal- from California to New York confirm that up to 40% of healthcare workers have decided that the risks of vaccines do not outweigh, do, do not outweigh the benefits. <clears throat> and... Um, I told you that this is anecdotal, but when my husband was in the hospital very seriously ill with COVID, uh, he asked the medical care pe- team around him if they were vaccinated, and they were not. They were not vaccinated. I know a lot of nurses and doctors are vaccinated, but uh, we are seeing that a significant amount. I don't know what the percentage is, but they, they're not vac- getting vaccinated. And so I want to take you through this story of the from the Epoch Times. This is written by Jennifer Margulis, and... Um, <clears throat> She talks about uh, a friend who was very sick and in the ER. And the doctor said to him, we just want to get you into a bed so we can figure out what's wrong with you and get you treated. They were in a small town. Uh, Not sure why, but my friend had not been able to keep anything more than a handful of raspberries down since a complicated surgery for a chronic health condition three weeks before. Dehydrated, uh, dehydrated, unable to eat. He'd been violently vomiting. uh, And um, he'd lost 25 pounds. So... um, she said, uh, I was by my husband's side when he had a gallbladder attack so severe that it left his hand shaking. And um, after a batter of testing, my friend was diagnosed with pancre- pancreatitis. But it was easier for the hospital bureaucracy to reg- register the admission as a COVID case. Let me explain. The patient had none of the classic symptoms of COVID. No shortness of breath, no fever, no chills, no congestion, no loss or sense of smell or taste, no neurological issues. Only COVID symptoms were nausea and fatigue, which could also be explained by surgery. Uh, But he had, three weeks earlier, had a COVID test that came back positive. So the long and short of this is they declared him COVID. Even though he he didn't have COVID, it was a total lie. And she she goes on to talk about what happened in Israel. um, And... There are lots of great stories and points that she makes that we should put this article on our Facebook page. We will. Who's really being hospitalized? And so um, the Associated Press actually reported that the CDC itself has not estimated what percentage of hospitalizations and deaths are in fully vaccinated people. 
And nevertheless, that doesn't stop Rochelle Walensky from shaming the unvaccinated. That's a, this is political. It's not scientific. And uh, I, I don't have time to go through the rest of that because I have other things here. Uh, in the FDA, this is a huge story. And I only heard, I just happened to hear it in a meeting yesterday. And I haven't heard this reported. If it has been, I don't know about it. But two members of the FDA who are part of this development or discussion of a booster shot have resigned. And they've resigned because uh, they say that the Biden administration's decisions over when to administer coronavirus vaccine boosters uh, is triggering turmoil within the FDA, frustrating regulators and sparking fear that political pressures will once again override the agency's expertise. Two top FDA vaccine regulators resigned on Tuesday, a decision that one former official said was rooted in anger over the agency's lack of autonomy in the booster planning so far. So, but you know, Dr. Fauci and Rochelle Walensky and all that gang, they're, you know, they're the ones you want to trust, right? And the Biden administration, remember how much they care about American citizens. Look at Afghan, Afghan. And uh, look at the Americans on January 6th, who now the FBI is telling us that there was no plot or uh, there was no plot to overthrow the government by Trump supporters. After all of the resources, I was just thinking about this in the early morning hours last night, how Christopher Ray must be so disappointed. He put so much of his uh, FBI agents and so much of the uh, agency's resources into hunting down those Trump supporters who went to support the president on January 6th. And they came up with nothing. They came up with nothing. Okay, so, uh, but, you know, so you can tell this administration really cares about your life, really cares about you. Yeah, tell those guys in jail in Washington, D.C., who are being held, uh, in the worst kinds of conditions, terrible water, being beaten by the guards, no civil rights, no freedom. You, you tell that. But, but the Biden administration, they care. They care so much. They want you to have a booster shot. And, of course, we know now that the shot, um, let's see, I don't have that article in front of me, but the uh, we have evidence now that these uh, shots are not very effective. There's something like 43% is the uh, figure that I heard on uh Pfizer. Uh, so that would explain why so many people who are vaccinated are in the hospital, right? You know, I find even in, I can just say this, in my neighborhood, I, my husband and I feel that we are kind of being shunned. Like people are kind of avoiding us because they know we had COVID. And the first thing out of people's mouths when they, we find it, when they found out was that, did you get the, did you, were you vaccinated? It's like an accusation. And when they find out we weren't, they, they back away. It's really, isn't it weird what this is doing? It's like messing with our minds, our relationships, our families. Uh, so don't be fooled. All right? So be level-headed about this and consider the source of the advice you're getting about COVID. All right, this is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. It was a bad move. Target invited men who say they feel like women into restrooms and changing areas designated for women. They probably guessed other retailers would follow their lead, but they were wrong. Others saw that bandwagon was headed in the wrong direction. We're not ready to sacrifice the safety of women and children for the sake of progressive bathroom policies. Invite Target to make a better move. Sign the Boycott Target Pledge at AFA.net. Bishop E.W. Jackson is on a mission. Some people are just embarrassed to be Americans. That, that's a big problem. I mean, I've heard people say that. They're embarrassed to be Americans. 
I'm not embarrassed to be American. I love my country. I'm, I'm thankful to God that I'm an American. I'm thankful to God to live in this land of freedom and opportunity and hope. And I'm fighting to make sure that that never changes. The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson every weekday at noon central on AFR or catch the podcast at AFR.net. What would it take for you to compromise your principles? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Recently, I heard a statement that went like this. I don't think principles matter if you can't get elected. Principles form the core of who you are. Principles form the foundation of a civil society. George Washington, in his farewell address, identified religion and morality as indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, George Washington said. It makes me think of a scripture. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his soul? What would it profit a candidate to gain an election but lose his principles? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to health care. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The Biden administration insists that its end to the Afghan war was an enormous success. To paraphrase Bill Clinton, that depends on what the definition of success is. Taking nothing away from the brave Americans who extracted some 120,000 people from the jaws of the Taliban's killing machine, whether the evacuation was a success will depend in part on whether that number includes jihadists who are being admitted without vetting into this country and maybe, perhaps literally, ticking time bombs. The fact that the Biden team is trying to gaslight us into believing a rout was actually a great accomplishment, not only further undermines confidence in its leadership and agenda. This stunning misrepresentation also puts into sharp relief and discredits what actually constitute other big lies perpetrated by Mr. Biden and his political and media allies over the past year. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios, back with you. Um, And I I do want to open the phone lines. We're trying to do everything, you know. Oh, uh, so... Lots of lots of you are writing about COVID. I this is I want to start right away by asking if I've sent several people, of course, to frontline doctors and um, uh, and also uh, frontline critical care 
Uh, and um, some, are, some of you are writing me now and saying you cannot get ivermectin. I had a very good friend actually call me uh, yesterday. Uh, he, has never, he hasn't had COVID, but he has a heart condition, and he doesn't want to get the vaccine. He's worried about it, and he's trying to get ivermectin, and he, was, he's, you know, he paid his money to talk to frontline doctors, and they responded by saying that they're just overloaded, and they, they can't handle everything that's coming their way. So that I don't I'm not surprised are you? I mean I'm not surprised people. I think this wave of COVID, I the first wave, I hardly knew anyone who got COVID. And uh, that made me a real skeptic. And I mean I did I just was like wait a second cuz I always say to you, you know, truth is what comports with reality. But now, you know, a lot of people that we know are getting COVID. I'm sure I'm sure that you hear that I'm getting more email from you too. I recognize that this um it seems to be more contagious now. We know that the Delta variant. By the way, so uh, so let me finish my question. If any of you know where uh, people can obtain ivermectin, I know that they do. You know they do treat animals, probably veterinarians. But I also it just makes sense that it's better to have a human version of ivermectin. So I can't recommend that. Um, and so if any of you know how how to obtain that, let us know, and uh, we'll we'll I want to let people know because they're desperate. They really are desperate. It's just, it's just horrendous. It's horrendous what the medical establishment is doing under direction of this president and his teams. It's just, it's horrendous. And so, um, uh, yeah. So let me just start with. I'm going to read a couple of emails to you before I go to the phone lines. Oh, I didn't give you the number, <laughs> but obviously the phone lines are filled. So many of you already know, but some of you haven't called before. It's eight eight eight. 589-8840, You might want to jot that down and so that in the future you can call. Uh, you don't have to wait for me to say it. This is a, yeah, so. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, yeah, you know, I have the same old thing. I'm trying to sort things out, and it's hard sometimes. This is from... Uh, Gianna, she has. She says here, you are saving people by your constant information. With all the resources, you're helping people keep strong with the tools they need to keep on standing and fighting. Thank you. It's just not enough, uh, Jana. That's a beautiful, beautiful sentiment. I have to say that I that makes me cry. I uh, because I feel like I can't do enough, and uh, especially when I hear from you and from my friends that they can't get these treatments, and then I'd feel helpless. And so let's see if we can get some more help today with somebody who'll call in and help us. Uh, figure out where to get ivermectin. This is from Cody. Uh, Cody says, um, I live in Oklahoma. I'm 28. I tested positive for COVID around three weeks ago. Went, went to Express Wellness for my tests. Both of them came back positive. When I got the positive test, the lead LPN sent me home at, with some paperwork and said that there was nothing they can give me or do for me. On day four of my sickness, I called Express because I could not get my fever of 102 to go away. And I had severe pain in my throat and ears. And they told me there's no treatment for COVID. And they told me that if things got severe in my lungs to go to the ER. They said they were following CDC guidelines and there was nothing they could do. By day six, basically all of my symptoms were gone. And on day 10, I went back to Express Wellness to see if I could get a negative test so I could go back to work. And then they told me I was irresponsible for putting other people at risk and for coming into the clinic before day 14, rather than going to a drive-up test site. They refused to test me. The paperwork they had sent me home with basically just told me to take over-the-counter meds that help deal with the symptoms. I took numerous vitamins and Alka-Seltzer and vitamins and ibuprofen. I survived it, but Express Wellness wellness was useless. Cody, that's what we're hearing all over the country. That's what we're hearing. 
And so I, all I can say with, um, it is still true that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine is a good preventative. If you guys can still get your doctors to prescribe that for you, that is something, if you haven't had COVID, uh, that seems to be very effective. I told you in Africa, they call it the Saturday pill. The missionaries started giving it to Africans years ago, and it has kept uh, the malaria away in Africa. Have you heard anything about COVID in Africa? No. And there's a reason for that, because they take hydroxychloroquine. But after you're really, really sick, I don't know how effective it is, but ivermectin is still effective even when you're really sick. So um, this is uh, from Laura. She says, I'm in the medical field. I am a nurse. I'm seeing multiple horrible reactions personally from the vaccine. My cousin died two days after getting it, but the doctor I work with will not see the truth and denies these deaths are vax-related. He is drowning in the Kool-Aid. And this is what I find when people talk about, oh, my doctor says, or I have friends that are nurses, or cousins that are nurses, or my sister's a nurse, or my wife is a nurse. You cannot trust that. Most of them are drinking the Kool-Aid. There's no question about it. Okay, I'm going to stop talking and go to the phone lines. Um, let's, uh, let, let's go to Joe in Ohio. Good morning, Joe. Hello. Hey, Joe, what's on your mind? Oh, okay. I wanted to let you know, um, I found a, uh, on, it's called Truth for Health, and it's a conference, and it's a bunch of doctors and and uh, scientists that have looked at all the data on this uh, on the va- the vaccine. Yep. And if people want to go to it, truth for truth for health, they had like I said, they had a conference on. Uh, yeah, August they had a conference. Before. Okay. All right. So we'll, yeah, well, that's good. That, all right. Well, all right. Well, that's they can do. They can they get ivermectin by going to that website. No, that what that is is just it's a it's a video of all the oh. doctors and okay at the uh, conference. The okay, Joe, I'm rushing you because I'm running out of time, but we got it, we got it. Truthforhealth.com. Uh, Thanks a lot. Let's go to um, let's go to Susan in Virginia. Good morning, Susan. Hey, Sandy. Good morning. Good morning. Um, good morning. So, wow, you're a blessing uh, to to all of us. Uh, I'm calling because my boyfriend and I were successful in getting hydroxychloroquine from America's frontline doctors, thanks to your program. Um, I live in Northern Virginia in the Woodbridge area. He lives in Stafford. Um, My prescription came from a pharmacy in Moneta, Virginia, near uh, Smith Mountain Lake. And my boyfriend's came from a pharmacy in Bristol, Virginia. Um, And I'd be happy to email you with that exact information. We did go back online and try to get ivermectin, and we got a message that said, sorry, you know, we don't have it. So, um, but we've got our hydroxychloroquine and our zinc. Yeah, and you haven't had COVID yet, right? No, no, haven't yeah. had it, not yeah. vaccinated. Um, nope. Well, you know, Susan, uh, if you could remember, it would be great. I would really love to hear from you like six months from now, if you got yeah. it, if you can remember this. Uh, because it'd be interesting to know, you just said just a, a listener who took hydroxychloroquine on a long-term basis and if it helped you or not. Yep. Okay? Okay. Okay. You got it. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to hear from you. I know Smith Mountain Lake is gorgeous. So thank you. <laughs> it's a nice reminder of being there. Thank you. All right. Let's go uh, to uh, let's go to Deanna. Good morning in Alabama. Good morning, Deanna. Hey, this is Diana Stroud. Uh, listen, um, I have been on hydroxychloroquine since January before this outbreak. 
I have been around people that had it. I'm a nurse. I take care of people. I have never had COVID-19. And also, I'd like to tell you about a friend of mine. She got her shot. Her husband got ill. She quit her job. She's in perfect health, had a great, she had just had a, a, a physical. And two days after she got the vaccine, we were sitting in her living room, and she was sitting in the chair, and she just, like, fell over. And I thought she was kidding around, and she died of, they said, an aneurysm. We found out six weeks later when they did the autopsy. And I was devastated. And I hear stories on AFR about, oh, my friend's in the hospital. If everybody just get vaccinated. Well, I've got a different story to tell. You know, I lost my friend because of the vaccine. I have another friend that was in the hospital in Tallahassee last week over diabetes. He had an infection in his foot. And he was in the hospital for five days. On the fifth day, he called me. He said, Diana, I need your help. Because I told him about Frontline, if something happened, because I thought when he said he was in the hospital, it was COVID, but it wasn't. And I said, well, look, if you get it, here's some information. He called me. He said, they just came in and said, I have, I have COVID. He said, I hadn't had any visitors. They won't let me have visitors. He said, how did I get COVID? And he, they tested him when he came in. He didn't have COVID. He has COVID on the fifth day. They're sending him up to the COVID floor, and he is in a panic because he feels so bad. He did get a hold of frontline doctors, and somehow, I don't know how they helped him, but they have helped him because he's in a I can't talk to him right now, but I got a message from his sister that he is doing wonderful. And somehow he did get ivermectin in this hospital oh, in Tallahassee. Boy, but I have been it. on hydroxychloroquine since January of 2020. I was yeah. in a car going to a funeral and four of us were in this car. Three of the people came down with COVID-19. This was back in June last year. And I did not get it. I, uh, and we were all in the same car for three hours. Three of the four people got COVID, and I'm the only one that didn't get COVID. And like well, so, I said, my doctors put, it up, put me on it for severe arthritis. So I kind of believe it does work, Sandy. Yeah, you know? yeah. I do too, Diana. That's, I, I do to too. share those stories, okay? Yeah. Uh, people need to be very careful. And my stories are very different. You know, my best friend's not in the hospital with COVID and, and struggling. No, my best friend died, okay? Yeah. Yeah, and one friend's living because you gave information, so thank God for that. Diana, thanks. Thank you. I really, really want to know if anybody knows how to get ivermectin, because what happens when she says that, it grieves me that I'm getting email from you saying I can't get it. I'm desperate. I get email. I've got a couple of email people that have lost family, uh, and I'm not going to get to these email. In fact, I just want to do a, um, oh gosh, I wanted to do a mention to, Kara, who wrote this most beautiful email about her father, who has died now from because he had that he didn't get proper treatment. She doesn't know exactly what happened to him, and it's it's Kara. I'm just so sorry. I am so sorry, and I want to help. So, how can we get ivermectin? Somebody help me with this, okay? Uh, let's go to uh, let's go to Jesse in Texas. Good morning, Jesse. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I just had something to tell about the Moderna vaccine. Yep. Okay. So they found out that the Moderna vaccine is sort of deforming the red blood cells and making them clump together. And that's causing the red blood, the blood clots. Well, I think also, Jesse, there's talk of this, um, the spike protein attaching itself to the major organs like the heart and the lungs and also the ovaries, and that's why we are seeing so many reactions. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate that heads up, and you remind me of that. And that reminds me, I got an email from someone who is really concerned. I, 
cited a study that said that uh, this particular study among a ch- they did it with rats, uh, and they were checking to see if the uh, shot had effect on uh, childbearing women. So they were uh, testing child, be- you know, little mice bearing mice. And uh, there was a 16% drop in fertility of those that had had the shot. And that came not from a written study that I saw. It was cited by, I think it's Dr. Zelensky, uh, who I quoted and put the link. I believe he's a, you know, there's so many videos, but I was very impressed. And I believe he's a real, sol- he's got solid credentials. He was the doctor that treated President Trump. He was lecturing uh, the, uh, like the rabbinical council in Jerusalem uh, and uh, so we'll put that, uh, um, we'll put that, uh, his presentation back on our Facebook page, if you can access it. And um, that was, that's where I got that fertility uh, store uh, information and also about the spike protein. All right, uh, let's go to Daryl in West Virginia. Good morning, Daryl. Quickly, yeah, if you can. Quick as I will be. Um, number one, I'll say this, my wife and I have had uh, seven friends locally who have died supposedly from COVID, but have had the shots two to four weeks before they have died. Um, But that was not my reason for calling. My reason was um, looking back real fast to a Fox News um, interview of the Pfizer CEO, um, who uh, talking about the new vax vax they're putting out. um, When asked if he's had the vaccinations or shots, he said no. He said because he didn't have any symptoms. And he didn't need to shop, so I just wanted to say that. Oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting, Daryl. I'm sorry we're out of time. I'm sorry to all of you that we're out of time, and I'm going to pray. Father, just help us. Father, help us. I can't help every person in every state, but you can. And I just pray that you would find help them to find a lead where they could hunt down ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine if they've never had it, that they could get treatment to, to protect them. And uh, Lord, we know that death is not the worst thing that we fear. We trust you, Father, in life and in death. But if possible, you, you send doctors and you've given us medicine. And we ask for wise counsel and access to these good medicines. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.